We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, RotoViz Radio listener. This is Curtis Patrick from the Dynasty Command Center podcast, and I've got a special deal for you today. Go to RotoViz.com. Click the subscribe button, put the 12-month subscription in your cart, and use promo code RVRADIO2021. That's RVRADIO2021. And you're going to save 10%. Taking advantage of this deal, getting your hands on what's included in the package, is the best way to enhance your performance this year. So go to rotoviz.com and subscribe now. Mahomes. As the time delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. This one, Adams, touchdown! This time going deep for Beckham Jr. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime and Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. I'm joined again by Sean Siegel, my co host here on Rotoviz Overtime. Going overtime uh, and always this week, Sean, it is episode three of the podcast, third week in a row with three shows. A lot of people uh, do comment, uh, especially in the US, on the way I say three. Uh, it's not pronounced correctly. It should be three, but uh, three by three uh, and. Uh, more reviews, please, for my Irish uh, brogue. But uh, if you have, <laughs> it's uh, it's Saturday. We're here to, to have some fun. We're going to talk through uh, a number of different topics, but uh, going to be going to be another good show, Sean. It is today. We're talking about dynasty trades, how to make them, how to become a high volume trader, and why that allows you to win. And then we're going to focus a lot on some of the fun things. We're going to look at some reader. Uh, <laughs> We're going to focus on some of the fun things. We're going to talk about some listener questions, how to make trades in your individual leagues, what years you're going to want to be targeting with your trades, some thoughts on the running back dead zone, and then talk about a few TV shows. Colin, we haven't mentioned the shows for a few episodes. We want to get a couple of our favorites out there. So yeah, this will be a relaxed, fun, uh, listener-driven show today. And we're going to start by talking about how to become a high volume trader in Dynasty. Yeah, it's gonna be gonna be a good one. Off the top of the show, as always, I'm gonna remind the listeners uh, if you want to head over after you finish listening to the show during the show, if you want to do it, drop us a five star review on your favorite podcast app. We're closing in on 100 
uh, reviews on the US iTunes or Apple podcast page. So that's the next target here for us on OT. So uh, give us a written review if you haven't already. Get us towards that 100 review mark. Uh, but Sean, today, some of the core elements, uh, we have talked, uh, we do talk a lot about trades and, and you know, how to be able to do that. But I think something that people don't think about is you know people think about making that one trade to help them win the league but realistically it's not that one trade that's going to make it as the volume of trades that help if you and you, you've mentioned this on the show before if you win you know each trade by just 10 percent, the more of those trades that we do over time the more value that's going to be added on to that roster so for you how important is the volume versus the big trade the, the volume is absolutely crucial right we talked about in our recent Rubaviz Dynasty Triflex startup that we made 13 trades in the startup. The team that we profiled last week from one of our fellow managers made 14 trades. Our team is set up very nicely now with, we made 19 selections in the first 12 rounds. That gives us a lot of flexibility, right? So we're talking about win now, win forever, we know we have a young team. If a few things fall right in 2021, maybe we win this year. As we go forward, the team should get stronger and stronger. We talked about how on the other end of that, our league mates team with the 14 trades, his team probably is the favorite now to win in 2021. As you can imagine, with all of those trades and our two teams having made the most trades, we had three or four trades with each other, and those trades allowed us to each individually accomplish key objectives. So that's one of the things I talk about a lot in terms of how you can make a lot of trades is that you want to be looking out to help your fellow manager accomplish their goals. If you can establish yourself as having the reputation of someone who will help that other player get done what they need to get done, then they're going to be the first person to, you're going to be the first person they come to with a trade offer. And we often think in terms of, okay, well, the key thing is making trades, but if you can get to the point where you receive the most trade offers of anybody in your league, then you're half of the way there, right? Because you're not going to want all of those trade offers. And in fact, a lot of the trade offers you're going to look at. And the first thing that you think, and, and this is true for all of us, is just like, how do they possibly think that I'm going to be interested in this, right? <laughs> That's just how trade offers tend to come in. But there's a huge value to being the person who gets a lot of the trade offers because even if it's only one out of 10 or one out of 20 or one out of 30 that you look at and you're like, oh, well, that's actually great for me, then you can accept that trade. And if you have the reputation as someone who they receive a trade offer and they send the reply of, okay, that's not remotely what the value is. You know, this guy is twice as good as that guy. You know, why are you sending this? Then the person just naturally stops sending you offers. The first thing that you want to do when you get an offer is look at that and take the information that's there. So you look at the player on your team that is being asked for, and you put that in your memory bank as, okay, this is someone who is valued by this particular owner. On the flip side, you look at the player that's been offered you and say, okay, this is someone this owner is willing to give up and might part with for a little bit less than value or might part with at value. Because one of the things that we have to deal with when we're trying to make dynasty trades is the fact that the player that you have on your team, the very fact that you made the investment, whether that was through a startup pick, whether it was through a trade, whether through it was buying in an auction, like we talked about 
on Thursday, you've made the investment in such a way that you're almost certainly higher than the market on that guy. When you look at the player, the owners, other owners offering you, they're almost certainly higher than the market on that guy. So if you're both starting from the perspective of having slightly inaccurate or optimistic valuations, then what are the chances of meeting in the middle? But again, it's all important information because you're trying to find, as you trade your players, you're trying to find the person in your league who, like you, values that person's market. And simply knowing that by being someone who gets a lot of offers because you respond in a friendly way to offers gives you that information. So when you receive a trade offer in, you don't have to look at it in terms of, okay, well, I don't want to trade player A for player B. You can look at it as, then you can send out return offers where you look at trying to explain, okay, well, these are the guys on your team that I would be willing to put in a package for the person you want. And then you send a separate set of offers saying, okay, the player you've offered me, these are the guys that I would be willing to give up to get that. So you can look at it as really two separate things, but in order to have that information, you've got to establish yourself as having the reputation as someone who is fun to talk with, is fun to trade with, someone who you're willing to, to chat about the trades for a while, even if a trade doesn't get done. Now, depending on the time that you have, depending on what you like about Dynasty, if you don't have a lot of time and the part that you enjoy about Dynasty Fantasy isn't trading, then maybe that isn't something for you. But you know, if you've paid 50 bucks to be in a league with your college friends, then I mean, you probably want to talk with them about football players, right? If you've paid $500 to be in a Rotoviz Triflex League, then you probably like fantasy football and enjoy talking about it. So creating this environment where you can talk about players with someone else who shares that same passion that has some benefits even beyond just this idea of, okay, how can we make trades? Yeah, and I think uh, to wrap them up, some of the core elements, the four core elements that you mentioned for those high-volume dynasty trading are offer balance trades. Um, so basically, where you're sending elite players to the trade partners, not always you know a low ball or I have to win that, accept fair offers without trying to start too much extra. So sometimes there is, like that offer comes in and you're like, yeah, I like that player, this is fair click accept and sometimes if you send an offer and that happens you're kind of surprised that there is no retort before uh, the deal is done um, so that's obviously a part of it as well as accepting those fair offers work with the potential trade partners to help them accomplish their objectives which you mentioned and avoid basically telling trade partners uh, what player is objectively worth um, basically when the offer comes in don't tell who sent that offer that this player sucks and your player's better um, it's kind of the nicest way to, to put that i think yeah um, and, and the thing here and this may seem like a subtle distinction but when you send out an offer and the first thing you get back from your league mate is a breakdown of exactly what the players are worth then that can rub you the wrong way right because when you sent the trade offer out I and mean, you had ideas about what you think those guys are worth so when you get the response and the other person's like no 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 this player is worth this this player is worth this player is worth that you're like well i mean maybe to you right and so it immediately kind of gets your back up and you're like well th that's not right and and then you're not in that position to make these moves or continue the discussion if you instead say and this may seem like exactly the same thing right but if you instead say this is how i value this guy this is why i value him here i understand if you don't value him the same way saying something as simple as i understand if you don't have the same value 
really opens it up to the discussion. And the person's like, yeah, well, I don't value it the same way, but you know, it's, it's okay that we had different values. Maybe we can work and come to a compromise. And, and you're very much then into the discussion where if the person comes back and just like, no, this isn't the value for this guy, then you're like, you know, well, I don't want to talk about it with you then. And so even though that may seem like, you know, purely a matter of, of semantics or, or being friendly or what have you, it can make a big difference because nobody wants to get a reply to their trade offer where someone is telling them what the values are. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I 100% agree. Something that I talk to lots of people about is uh, tone and phrasing are two of the most important things you can do in terms of communication. Um, and that comes in written or verbal format. And uh, when you're writing something to somebody, if the tone isn't right or uh, the phrasing isn't right, and you mentioned it's only a subtle difference, but that subtle difference can make a, a big difference, especially uh, when you're trying to achieve a goal, um, no matter what it is. So tip for the week for anyone out there uh, use phrasing and tone uh, to your advantage uh, <laughs> but uh, let's jump into the the second half of the show we're going to dive into some uh, listener questions an interesting one coming in here from gene williams uh, he emailed it our way hi guys love the shows all, and all the tools are amazing on rotoviz he says he's a big believer in zero rb and modified zero rb which is a hot topic if modified zero rb is actually a thing uh, on the twitter streets at the moment but uh he says, however, in early mock drafts, uh, he's seeing players like Chris Carson in the fifth round, Kareem Hunt in the late fifth round, sixth round, and even uh, Edwards Lair in the late third round, early fourth round, and they're falling into the dreaded RB dead zone. Are they players that are exceptions to the rule? Uh, and when is it appropriate to, to deviate from the tried and true approach of avoiding an RB in the dead zone at all costs? Um, so I'll let Sean have the, the first one to jump into that. Yeah, and you mentioned it is modified zero RB. I think I always say single elite running back because I think that that describes what it is. And I wouldn't want people to feel like, you know, zero RB um, fans or 
believers are trying to take credit for something that is different. I mean, single elite running back is obviously different and a very viable approach there. I, I agree, Sean. Uh, single elite is the f- best way to explain it. But I also, uh, I'm not one for uh, trying to store things up a lot, but I, I really enjoy um, saying modified zero RB on uh, on Twitter just to get those reactions. It's a it's a hell of a lot of fun. But uh, I, I agree with you. The, the best way to say it is the, the single elite. Yeah, so we, we look at Chris Carson. We look at Kareem Hunt. We pull up the range of outcomes tool, which gives us historical comps for the players and then looks at how those players have performed in the subsequent season. We've got some range of outcomes there, the 25th percentile, 15th percentile, 75th percentile, and some averages. Carson 12.6, Hunt 12.3 in terms of the average projection for 2021. They come in 16th and 18th in the tool. Obviously, that doesn't include rookies, so you have to factor them in as well. Both of those guys have relatively poor 75th percentile outcomes also, which I think when you're talking about drafting players in the dead zone, one of the things you're looking for is, okay, well, I know that there are risks. What is the upside? Now, Kareem Hunt, the upside would be that if something unfortunately happens to Nick Chubb, then perhaps he absolutely lights the world on fire with Hunt. You have this chance to get it back who is probably going to score for you and has this elite upside. That might be something that you're interested in there. Chris Carson, we know he's a good Player. We know he's someone that the RO actually picked out last year as a must-draft guy, and when he played, he played pretty well. I think that what it's telling us this season is that when you're looking at these guys relative to where they're going, they're not overvalued, right? They're not hugely undervalued. And I think that when I'm looking at backs in this round three to round six range, I want them to be very clear values and to have huge upside. So mentions Clyde Edwards Alaire. I think that when you're talking about the third round for him, that's an interesting choice. You look at some of those rookie running backs, and I think DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins, Edwards Alaire, Antonio Gibson has uh, maybe some differences in ADP where in some formats he's actually quite expensive. You probably wouldn't be interested in some formats. He falls into the middle or late third, and at that price it's a little bit more interesting. So we've talked a lot this week about how don't let the structural approach really, really limit you, right? So we look at what the history of the running back dead zone tells us and the players that tend to fall in that area and what the risks are and the limited rewards. And we think, okay, well, if I'm going to take a couple of running backs early that I want to do it in round one, round two, the thing that I'm seeing this year is that wide receivers in round two are unbelievable. And so I have a hard time taking these running backs who are in round two. By contrast, the second year running backs in round three are pretty intriguing. And so I don't necessarily want a lot of them. I'm not going to be putting together running back heavy teams, but if I get some exposure to those guys, even if it's in round three, I know that the receivers I'm getting in round two, the receivers I'm going to get in round four, five, six, very exciting. And so I I like taking that risk there. Carson Hunt, probably not as much in part simply because the wide receivers you have to pass up to take them are so good. Again, look at the format we discussed in one of the formats earlier this week that the fifth round didn't look particularly appetizing. If you're in a spot where wide receiver looks flat and you have Carson or Hunt there, then maybe you make that pick and then you move back to wide receiver. But if I'm going to take Carson or Hunt, it's going to be in a situation where I plotted that draft out from round 10 back up to round one. And I know that I'm going to get the overall 
structure that I want. I'm going to get the overall build with a lot of wide receivers, and that's not going to hurt me. I've got to be very careful that I'm not going to lose the players I want by taking Carson and Hunt in that range. Yeah, it's uh, it's really interesting, and I think like there's there's a couple of ways it might tempt you away from it, but a lot of it is like if a player drops around an ADP, I I <laughs> I talk I talked there, I asked you on uh, one of the shows earlier this week about Mike Davis, and it was interesting. It was a, a draft I was recently in where he was nearly a round and a half to two rounds below ADP, but like he's a player that I'm not in on in terms of what the likely options are. You did a very good retort in terms of how the Atlanta Falcons offense like without Julio Jones mightn't be as high powered this uh, season so you know just because a player drops around or two in value isn't going to leave them to to be enough to pick in the dead zone uh, I think that's where the likes of Carson fits into that but um, when we look at then some of those guys that are in the third round I know you like J.K. Dobbins um, some of those guys are intriguing but I think like we talked about earlier this week too with the quarterback position in round five in basketball leagues it becomes very intriguing when the round goes flat so I think in the third round like you mentioned those some of those younger guys with the you know you're shooting for the upside can make it a little bit uh, a little bit interesting there but when we really get into that fourth fifth sixth round range it's it's kind of a, a tough call unless it's some of the the rookie guys that we're we're looking ahead to but the next question coming in from Kevin Wilson. He also emailed it in. Uh, huge fan of the show. He said he's in the midst of a full teardown and rebuild. He's in a 12-team, one-quarterback league. And uh, he says he only has a handful of building blocks. So he says he owns three 2022 firsts, two 2022 seconds, as well as four 2023 firsts and four 2023 seconds so he's really stocked up here big time on those uh, future picks for the next two years uh, he said i'm hearing that i should be aiming to acquire as many 2023 forces as possible because uh, the class not only seems deeper but full of higher end talent compared to 2022 uh, do we agree with that he has sent in uh, his squad <coughs> for for some context as well so does have goff and lawrence and uh, matt ryan a quarterback uh, does have dylan etn uh, Devonte Freeman, unfortunately, their running back. Um, you know, there there is a little. There's Zach Moss as well. It is. He mentioned that he's in a full rebuild, but he does have some nice pieces as well, like Jamar Chase is in there, C.D. Lambs in there. So two guys really, really like Curtis Samuel, who I think is a an interesting guy this year. Then he does have Mark Andrews and Logan Thomas as well. So there is a, there is a couple of guys in there that are are very intriguing. What's your thoughts on you know storing those firsts two years ahead? You know. I, I, I've seen this before where we're talking up a draft class and then we get to that draft class and then it's not quite as good or player falls off from, you know, 2019 to 2020 and so on. What's your thoughts on, on stocking up those picks, you know, two years down the line? Well, I think he's got a perfect setup here, right? Because you have seven first round picks in the next two drafts. You have three in 2022, you have four in 2023, which is likely to be a little bit stronger. You also have the six second round picks at a certain point it gets hard to spend all of those and so i don't necessarily think that i would be pushing the rebuild back even farther by moving more of the picks into 2023 i think that that split works nicely but yes we do agree that the 2023 draft is probably going to be a little bit stronger if you pull up our devi rankings that travis may stefan uh Laco and matt wispy put together then you see that three of the top four Defi running backs are from this 2023 class. And so a lot of times when you're hearing about the strength of the class, it's because of the strength of those running backs at the top, which both give you the chance to build 
at that position that's so difficult to acquire in Dynasty and have that window where the players play well, but also then that pushes down the other guys, right? It makes wide receiver a little bit deeper just because you have more of those running backs at the top. If you have some sort of mediocre running backs, then even those guys will move in there and they'll push the wide receivers down. And that'll make your top end first round picks extremely valuable because of those running backs. And then it'll make your bottom end first round picks and early second round picks valuable because the receivers have been pushed down. So I love what he's got here. He says he doesn't have too many building blocks. It's a full rebuild. But at the same time, when you're looking at a team that has Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, Jamar Chase, and CeeDee Lamb, well, you've got a fantastic foundation. I mean, that team is going to be very, very good in a couple of years, almost regardless. He also has a number of our preferred sort of uh, swing for the fences or lottery picks at wide receiver and Deami Brown, Nico Collins, Anthony Schwartz. It's always cool to see people who have obviously looked at some of those articles <laughs> talking about who, who are the really cheap guys that you can get basically for nothing who might turn into something. Now, we don't think that they will, but there's that chance that they could become the next Terry McLaurin. And then you're one player further along in this rebuild. I love what he's done. I agree with his question in terms of where the strength of it is, but I think that what he already has set up here uh, just hasn't set up perfectly. Yeah, I agree with that. And this is definitely, um, you know, around the time of the, uh, the draft, uh, I think there definitely was a, a lot of attention paid to, to some of your work with the, the wide receivers selected there, like you, you mentioned. Uh, hopefully a couple of them will turn out. My next question, he didn't ask this, but um, with a team like this, you know, I mentioned the likes of Matt Ryan's there, uh, you know, we have AJ Dillon, who if we get to three years down the line or two years down the line, I think Dillon's still somebody to hold on to. But the likes of Matt Ryan, is that a player to move? Zach Moss, is that a player to move? Just in case he's thinking about moving ahead um, in terms of gaining some more assets or younger players potentially. Well, I'm, I'm a fan of Moss. I think that that is a player who you probably want to hold on to because you're not going to be paid at the level that he could potentially get to there. There's, there's more value in holding on the chance that he blows up than to try and sell at the current price. He's devalued to the point where you're not going to get a similar type of asset where, you know, six months from now, we could be talking about him in a completely different range. The quarterbacks are interesting, right? Because Matt Ryan, Jerry Goff, they have a little bit of value. They can help out a team who is in win now mode. The 12-team leagues are a little bit trickier. I'm currently drafting, and if anybody wants to see what a developmental dynasty draft in an established league looks like, I'm drafting in a Debbie league that has been going for five or six years, so a lot of the top guys are off the table. We're having our Debbie draft now. It comes up with even a lot of these guys who are now just even getting into college. You can check that out on the site. I go through two rounds of that. It's a 14-team league in that format. I try and make sure I get some quarterbacks because it's very easy to get to where you have two and then an injury puts you to one. You can end up in that situation where teams can extort you to uh, you know, make a very poor trade because there's nothing you can do there. There are no starters available and you need to play someone at that position. So Goff might be somebody who could be unloaded. Ryan might be somebody who could be unloaded. This is a 12-team league and 12-team, that's not quite the same dynamic but there's still some value to helping out one of your league mates who could be in a little bit of trouble. The thing that you want to do is you may make a good trade for yourself, but not extort them as we talked about sort of at the beginning of the show there. They'll remember that most 
managers will look at that. If you've helped them out a little bit, they'll be willing to help you out in a way in the future. That doesn't mean that they're going to sell you one of their guys at a huge discount or something like that, but be more open to talking trade, uh, more willing if they are going to do one of these things where they say, okay, well, player A, the first person to offer me a third round pick in the next 24 hours gets the guy. If a couple of offers come in around the same time and you're one of them, then maybe it goes in your direction. So you know, maybe the quarterbacks you can use almost for goodwill. I don't know if they're going to bring anything that turns the team around. But one of the elements here is that if you really are rebuilding, and this is a rebuilding kind of team, I think that this team could be competitive earlier than it seems like. Anything happens to Aaron, to Aaron Jones, anything happens to Devin Singletary, and suddenly Dylan and Moss, they could be scoring a lot of points. We like some of those wide receivers. But at the same time, if you're wanting to stash as many players as possible in that JV and Hawkins kind of range in that Anthony Schwartz kind of range, then getting rid of those QBs allows you to do that. I wouldn't give them away for nothing, but the value of having the roster spot on a rebuilding team can sometimes be worth more than a low end QB. No, really good stuff there. And uh, obviously for any listeners who have any questions, any topics they would like discussed, um, I do mention this from time to time in the show, but you can email them. These both come in through email at rotavizradio at gmail.com or you can send them my way on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. We do try and use as many of them as we can. Some really uh, interesting and intriguing questions have been brought up by uh, the listeners over the last two or three months. We do like that interaction, like uh, getting your questions. So do send them our way um, if you have any. Sean, as we get ready to wrap up, you teased at the start some uh, recommendations. We haven't really hit the recommendations as much over the last couple of weeks. So maybe we have a couple uh, in store for the listeners. Yeah, so I just finished watching the last episodes of season three of Ozark. And I, I was blown away by this show the entire time. The first time that I really sort of had it brought to my attention was in a conversation I was having with Josh Hermsmeyer, you know, three, four years ago now, where he was mentioning that he had watched it a little bit, was enjoying it, uh, had that uh, slightly different element to it where, you know, you've got the money laundering. I'm not a huge fan of the shows that go into a lot of depth with some of the sort of organized crime types of things, but you do have some shows from time to time that do it in a way that is just so dynamic. And the show that comes up as a comp that's a much higher profile show, Breaking Bad, differences to it, Breaking Bad, one of the all-time great shows. I think that Ozark actually has much better pacing and the characters in some ways are more interesting. And so I'm not gonna necessarily say it's better, but there are some things about it that I think viewers will like a lot more. And for a show that is long each episode, it's just, you know, you hurdle through it like you're on a roller coaster. So that one, absolutely fantastic. Looking forward to season four. I believe the final season uh, coming out sometime in the second half of the year. If you haven't watched, go ahead and, and get ready for that final season. Yeah, I, it's a show I've really been wanting to watch uh, over the last kind of two years, but I've mentioned this on previous shows. I'm in a situation where uh, Caitlin, our daughter, is three years old, and sometimes watching certain shows might intend, like we have this thing where we say to her, like, you know, you watch your show, you watch your show. We can see that there's a, a murder coming up here. You watch your show. Uh, so it can be hard to uh, get that balance uh, right, but it's definitely one I, I want to check out. But from all things I've heard, it's not like I could obviously listen you know, watch it on an iPad with, uh, you know, Bluetooth headphones in, but I, I would like to watch it on, on the television, get the, the full experience. Um, I've heard really good things about it, so might have to, to try and sneak that in some way. Um, I, I did watch uh, Loki this week, um, you know, Marvel Universe. They have, uh, for anyone that's 
watch Thor will probably know some of the background story um, or the Avengers films but uh, it's going I was, I was saying to Sean before it started uh, recording today um, it is back to the old format when you're watching on Disney it's uh, one show a week on the, the release format I don't know sometimes if you're better to wait till they're all out so we can get our binge watch going but uh, each week one episode episode one in the books and uh, I really enjoyed it uh, another part that I really enjoyed about it is, is uh, Owen Wilson's in it I always enjoy a bit of Owen Wilson and playing a, a bit more of a serious role in this one so for anyone that hasn't checked it out uh, we're one episode in it's six episodes long it could turn out to be very bad but uh, let's hope that it turns out to be very good um, so that's one for myself um, another interesting story about me over the last couple of weeks is I've been doing a lot of landscaping around uh, the house that we moved into in December um, so I did the landscape and I seeded the grass uh, basically two weeks ago now and the uh, grass is actually growing so uh, I'm feeling uh, quite like an adult at this point with uh, people ask me you know what's my weekend activity um, you know five years ago I didn't think it would be quite uh, this way but uh, it's it's I have green grass if the, that's the bonus. <laughs> that's good that's good you've got your new house you've got your uh fancy podcasting setup you've got your big screen tv that you want to watch the inappropriate shows on <laughs> and you're also getting your yard going i can relate to that a little bit we're out here in the desert we're in the drought uh have this amazing beautiful tree that looks like it is trying to die because it doesn't have any water sign out there every day trying to give it its bath so yes working working on the the yards trying to make sure the the neighborhood stays attractive and watching some tv shows at the same time yeah exactly and uh, sean if i could i would i'm looking out my window here and the uh, the rain is is pouring down i can probably see about 100 meters from my house due to the actual rain the rainfall at the moment so i would send some over if i if i could get that if you could send me some of the sunshine as well it'd it was be 113 a, degrees yesterday okay yeah doesn't happen we don't get that over here uh, but uh let's let's hope we get a you get a bit of rain there and keep the the tree moving along it's another show in the books. It's uh, three shows this week again. Uh, we're really uh, going to try and keep this going as much as we can throughout the off-season. We'll have some guests sprinkled in as well. So uh, really fun show. Check out all three. Drop us a written interview on your favorite podcast app. And as always, you can get yourself a 10% discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass with the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. Thanks again for tuning in and uh, sticking with us to the end of the podcast. My name's Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Over to Marlin. My co-host is Sean Siegel. Check out Sean's work up on rotoviz.com along with all the other great uh, articles that are up there each and every day. So until we're back next week with some more podcasts, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime and Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.